On June 16, the Senate passed the Honoring Our Pact Act of 2022 by a vote of 84 to 14. Now, legislation that would provide relief for Camp Lejeune water contamination victims is headed to President Joe Biden's desk. I'm Lia Levy, co-founder of Nanato Media and author of Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market. And this is In Camera Podcast, where we know that a bill is not passed until it's passed. Good. How are you, Liel? Doing great, Grace. And, you know, just as we were talking a moment ago, it was really interesting to hear the feedback that's coming back from the American Association for Just Summer Conference, which it's the annual conference, right? The official name is the annual conference, but we know it as a summer one because there's one in the winter and then there's the annual one in the summer. And this one just ended up happening in Seattle. And great stuff. Everybody's happy, right? Yeah, it was definitely a little different for exhibitors than usual, I would Mm. say. Well, that's always great news. It certainly sounds like the setup was just working better than potentially what it was last conference earlier in February in Palm Springs. And you know what? I'm glad to hear because a couple of things. Number one, it means that a lot of lawyers were able to find and connect with vendors that are going to be hopefully helping them out, improve operations or whatever it is that they were needing. And the second thing is that the American Association of Justice listened to the feedback that vendors have to give and took steps to make sure that everybody was having a better experience this time. So that's great. And we're looking forward to the upcoming conferences that they're going to have because with them, it's like a watch, right? Every single year, two conferences, one in February, one in July. So do you have any idea where those happening next year? Do you know what? I think I can pull out that information here. It's, it's amazing because they really have it already published. So for 2023, they're doing it at the Phoenix, Arizona. Nice. Ooh, I yeah. like Phoenix. And July, Philadelphia. So you know what I really like about AJ is that thing. They always change city. They always change venue. And you got to hand it to them. It's a big operation. It would be way easier for them to just kind of like set it in autopilot and do it every single year at the same place. Logistically, it's a big undertake to move this conference from one city to another because it's a big production. 100% right. I mean, putting together a conference is not easy to begin with, much less changing venues every couple months, twice a year. (laughs) It's not easy at all. And they are to be commended for it because they're always really cool locations. They always have really cool events going on, you know, wherever they have the opening receptions, always some like really awesome looking place. Like I remember one year in Boston, it was at Fenway. Like who does that? I mean, it was awesome. They definitely do a fantastic job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. And the other thing that it's a little bit, you know, it just tells you about the level of organization and stuff and work they put into it. The locations for 2024, they already published as well. So wait for it. Winter, Austin, Texas. So welcome home. 
And then for right. the annual one, that's right. And for the annual one on 2024, it's going to be in Nashville. So they're taking us for a journey to the South on 2024. I was just about to say Southwest tour, huh? Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Which is kind of like a little bit, I wouldn't say rare, but usually you see them kind of like going West Coast, East Coast, kind of like they never stay in the same geographical location if you may, right? At this time, right. they are really doing them close to each other up to a certain extent, you know, Tennessee and Austin still pretty far away, but you know, anyhow, Grace, that was AJ. Glad to hear that that's going well. Another conference out of the calendar and there's plenty more to come for the rest of this year. But today we're going to be talking about a master that I don't think it's fair to call it new, especially after I looked into the details, the trajectory that it has. But what I do think is fair to acknowledge is that it just exploded over the past couple of weeks. And I really mean it like exploded over the last couple of weeks. So Grace, please do the intro on this one because you're the expert. So we're talking about Camp Lejeune, ladies and gentlemen, at this moment. So Camp Lejeune is about water contamination, right? So the idea is that it's an actual location where the Marines experienced potentially the idea is that it's alleged to have toxic levels of certain chemicals in the water for a certain number of years. So they, whoever was stationed at Camp Lejeune and specifically it's the military, the Marines, and the reason that that is a, a great location for the Marines is because it's nearby a bunch of outlets for water right? So obviously Marines have to do with the water, the Navy. So it was a base and it's been a base for, I mean, since 1950s, maybe even further yeah. back, right? It's, so yeah. So just to fill in here exactly as to when there were the contaminants in the water, according to the data that I have is from 53, 1953 to 1987. This is a huge range of time, right? Almost 40 years. It's a very huge range of time, and that base has been around a long time, right? So it's it's a little bit complicated in terms of the back and forth that's been going on. And the reason Liel was saying that this is not new is because it's not new. This bill, well, this situation has been since back in 1980. And in 2012, they actually had a motion to dismiss regarding this particular situation because of a variety of reasons, right? Legalese behind it, basically saying that there was no reason for them to be able to sue the government because of, there's there's about a handful, but I'd say the majority of the reasons that they were claiming that they wanted to dismiss this from the government was because they had no way of knowing, or there was also potentially a conflict of interest between them and the city where this water was actually contaminated, according to the dismissal documents that I read through today, which basically means that they're saying we're not at fault because there's no way for us to have been able to tell anybody anything considering it was the water plant that took care of it, right? There's a lot of going back and forth right now. And unfortunately, they are calling 
mass tort lawyers <laughs> that have these commercials out there, which we do not because the bill has not passed, but they do have, like Liel said, it's exploded. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Camp Lejeune water bill. If you've been contaminated on TV, heard it on Great. the radio. So I want to, I want us to stop a moment here for a moment, because last week when we finished up recording our podcast, you said, Hey, I already know what we should be talking about on the next one. And you said, let's talk about Camp Lejeune. And my my reaction to that was what is that right because i've never heard about it before but then i like a like a good podcast host did my research but before i could actually do my research grace it's almost like you've mentioned camp lejeune and all from a sudden i start seeing it everywhere and, and this is not just something that i started seeing in tv in one station I saw it in TV in one station. I heard it over the radio. I saw it on YouTube. And I then went on to do the research in order to be able to be prepared for this podcast. And it's saturated with ads online. And so from going to not knowing what it is to them being bombarded with it in just over a period of three to four days, it is quite significant. I've never experienced this with any other master, any other master. And so it obviously tells you that there is a momentum, that something had happened recently that all from the Southern is sending signals to, to everyone who is involved in masters, get clients around this because cash is coming. Cash is coming and, and, and the cash out may be big. And that's at least the way that I read the message. Now, Looking at more recent stuff happening, and you know, you know, I always chop these things up. Let's talk about mid-June. The Senate passed the Honoring Our Pact Act, which includes the Camp Lejeune Act. And when signed into law, it will allow veterans who were exposed to the contaminated water at Camp Lejeune to file lawsuit against the U.S. government. And in a statement issued on June 16, by nonetheless. President Joe Biden, it actually said that it urges, the house, it urges the House to swiftly pass the bill so he can sign it. So you have now the President of the United States saying that he wants a bill to pass through so that action can be taken. So obviously that's very promising, that's very hopeful. This is the reason why a month ago, we nobody knew anything about it. And now over the past few weeks, this has just gone bananas because basically the, the government just said that they're getting ready to start issuing checks. Did I read this correctly? That's exactly right. And so that's actually turned into a potential situation, right? I mean, we all know that mass torts, well, at least those of us in mass torts, we all understand that when you, you're first to the market, right? The first to get the cases, the first to get the clients that have these potential cases, you can always do better in terms of compensation for the clients, for your firm, for the fees, et cetera, et cetera. However, this one is very un unusual, right? Because it, it had to do with a bill specifically that's being passed. So there was a lot of communication um, between the attorneys that were involved, including on both sides, right? And And the communication was, don't do this until the bill passes because you could harm the bill right so that's that with mm. that understanding the, the the law firms know that 
this is not speed to the case at this time. At this time, it's making sure that the veterans get the bill passed so that they can, yeah. in turn, get the compensation that they deserve yeah. for the injuries they had. Yeah. So it's it still hasn't passed. So it basically, was... they're turning this into a PR nightmare. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the reason. Yeah. They're no, upsetting a lot of people along the way. And, and, and that, that leads to objections. Yeah, that, so that was the part of June 24, which is the latest update that there is with regards to the bill. And it's that it's being placed on hold while, you know, they're working out on something called or referred to as a blue sleep objection, which basically I read that actually. Want some provisions there to, yeah, correct, to be addressed. But that in other way can also mean hold your horses your guys are making too much noise. That's part of it. So the blue slip objection, actually, I read specifically about that because I wanted to know what was holding up the bill passing because everyone's so sure, right? Even President Biden is saying, sign that darn bill, people, so that we can get the veterans the help they need. So what's actually stopped it was a, a decision that they added some kind of fundraising involved in the additional provisions within that particular bill. They basically have a rider on it, right? And if anybody knows mm -hmm. anything about bills, when they add a rider, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the actual bill that's being passed. It has to do with potentially something else that's attached to a particular bill. So because of that, one of the when it went to them to be approved, one of them did not unanimously decide that they could take off that rider and then move it through easily. Now they're going what they call the long way around, having to take it off, re-review it, and then repass it through and make sure that everybody agrees to it because nobody would take the, it's not a shortcut, but it's basically, I guess, a shortcut where you cut it out and everybody unanimously agrees on it. And if everyone unanimously agrees on cutting something out, they can then pass the bill right away. If even one person does not agree, it has to go back through the same process as normal for a bill. Got it, Grace. So let's now put this in simple terms. Is it the time to advertise for Camp Lejeune cases? I would say no. I would say straight up no. We don't want to start any advertising or do anything, period, until that bill passes. We want to make sure that the veterans are pr protected. And I'm not yeah. going to, you know, as a law firm in, in good conscience, like us personally, we cannot do something that could potentially harm the bill. Yeah. First of all, I love it, right? Because it is the right thing to do. You obviously you want to look at the greater cost and the greater cost here is to helping those who ultimately have been impacted by this, right? So that comes first. And, and the way that you've explained it, that's on what you're basing your your strategy here and and kudos on that because obviously it's the honorable thing to do now why would why does this apply for for instance to this master and not to others is it particularly because of the bill or is it because it's a veterans mastered what are the factors because the reality is the way that i see it i think you know whether you're going after johnson and johnson you're going against roundup or whatever right there's always going to be different powers influencing government around whether things are gonna get trial legislation is gonna get passed that's gonna make it 
harder for masters to get litigated and be your companies accountable but you usually don't hear about this level of consciousness when it comes down around hey guys we're upsetting too much the big guys or whatever that is right i mean that's not kind of how it goes on those cases although you do hear when when you go particularly to aaj you do hear about the i don't know really the name of the organization but it's basically the aaj arm that lobbies the government for it to protect the the ability of being able to go against big corporations for these type of cases right right mass tort reform is a bad word right yeah. that's we don't we don't want mass tort reform and in order yeah. to to avoid that type of behavior is as a as a industry we need to protect who is supposed to be protected which are those that are injured and so with this particular situation with this mass tort with Camp Lejeune, it's twofold. Why there's such a, a hesitancy. One, it's, it's really, it's the government, right? When you deal with the government directly in terms of a potential lawsuit, there are a lot more factors involved than dealing with a big company, right? You, you have a lot more regulations, a lot more rules. And that's partly why like the 3M earplugs was such a, odd situation initially. And that was because the 3M earplugs were designed together with 3M company and the government. So that was why that one was a little bit weird in between when they were first starting those cases. Until that situation was resolved, they didn't really know if the 3M earplugs were going to be able to truly become a mass tort and have them assisted. So with this one, and with the 3M, sorry, Grace, the, the differentiator yes. also there, I guess, and I ask you your confirmation, they were going after 3M, not the federal government. Correct. Correct. And that's when 3M said, hey, you guys, meaning federal government, you guys are the ones that worked with us to design this. So they were trying to throw it onto the federal government. Right. And so obviously in that whole who's at, who's at fault, who's responsible situation, once they figured that out, then it went back on 3M, right? As the yeah. designers of a defective product. In this case, since it is directly to the federal government and a bill has to actually be passed for this to work, meaning for the veterans as veterans getting money from the government, they have a they need a bill. There has to be an actual act passed for them and for their loved ones who were also on the base with them. Yeah, that's the other situation. So there's, 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 those are the two factors that I see with this one being so different. It's that it's Camp Lejeune, government related Marines, it's military, it is government directly. And then secondary to that, it's the age. I mean, if you look at things from 1953 to 1987, any of us in legal knows how hard it is really to get a hold of medical records for people past 10 years. The VA, for the most part, has all of the medical records for people that were active military if they went through the VA for their medical, right? Yeah. So, but so when it comes to this one, that you, we have to be very careful that we don't mess up the bill for the veterans because it's for them. This is not yeah. for the lawyers. This is not for anybody. This is for the veterans. And so yeah. that's why this one is so special 
you, yeah. you we can mess up tort reform you can mess the yeah. the bill up you can i mean there's too many potential pitfalls to advertising pre bill passing yeah yeah and you know what grace that's why i think transparency and advertising is so important so so important because at the end of the day what i what i said is is it, it's true it's happening you you watch any of the news broadcasts broadcasters and there's and, and it's full of complejun tv ads and some of them may be from law firms but some of them are lead generation right and so this is when 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 marketeers and lead generation companies that are part of the industry need to play fair as well and make sure that they are watching over the interest of a the partners which are their law firms which just like you, most of them, I would think they want for to be able to get past and for things to be able to find their path to, to the resolution that everybody is hoping here for the people that's been affected for, right? There will be time then to advertise, there will be time there to be able to connect with the, the, the people who've been injured. I mean, it's a big community here that we were thinking that potentially could have gotten harmed because of this. I'm just was looking at some information, but first I'll, I'll finish up my thought here and they should pull off those ads and they should stop the YouTube campaigns and they should really not make noise that it's bothering the progress of this. You know, I, I think it's partly what you were saying. You know, I think that they're used to the trajectory of, hey, get as many people as we can to help as many people as we can. So I don't think it's necessarily that they're thinking that they're going to harm the passing of the bill. Most people believe that, and it's almost a for sure, right? But nothing is ever certain in this life, but death and taxes is what I like to say. So, and and that's kind of the tactic we take. It's not for certain until it actually happens. Yeah. So I, I do feel like it's yeah. not that they're they're trying to harm the bill passing. They just no, believe Grace, that it's the same trajectory potentially. You know. You're right, but the same principles that apply here for you know making sure that you are buying, you know, produce and supplies and clothes from, yes, from organizations that have put in place fair trade regulations that are making efforts to benefit the communities where they are operating and so forth and so on. The same principle should apply for mastered lead vendors, right? You should you should have some ethical practices in place that should you know make it clear when mastered leads are being sourced by practices that can be considered unethical. And in this case, you know, putting up such aggressive campaigns when you're saying that it's it's not in the interest of the of, of the victims it's actually a bad practice it's unethical and so again i as you're saying this may not be done with malice but it is still the responsibility of the law firms that are working with these vendors to make sure that the message goes through and at the same time of the vendors that they receive the message and that they they take corrective action as as they should so i would agree with the fact that it doesn't necessarily need to be something that started with the intention of doing harm to anyone 
but if it's known and if this has been talked about then why are these ads still up right why are these ads still up and as you very well said there are other things that you can do without necessarily making so much noise you can actually be writing about this you can actually be creating video content about this in YouTube. It's actually shocking, Grace, how little video content exists about mass storage, especially at these stages, right? When they're starting to get some attention, but they're not necessarily quite yet at the peak of them. There is so much opportunity there. Like, just think about the people who watch the TV ad or, or heard the radio commercial or watch the YouTube ad and then all from the sudden they're thinking about, yeah, you know what, I, I did that thing, just keep on thinking about it and I want to learn a little bit more about it, right? And they go online and a lot of people, they don't want to read long articles about these things. They just want to watch a three, four minute long video that tells them everything they need to know about it. And right now, Grace, there's really nothing, nothing from a law firm that tells you about Hamlujun. So a huge opportunity there. And that's the low-hanging fruit go for that create a content start looking at a way that you can rank rank in a organic way for information that has to do with this now grace let's talk before we wrap up this conversation about what's the criteria because the criteria is really what what blows my mind here it's very very at least at least from what i have here i don't know if if this is correct or you'll you'll tell us what's the criteria as per what you know but what I'm seeing here is very generous. First of all, it is, it is estimated that about a million people have been impacted by what went on on Camp Lejeune during the 35, 40 years that water was contaminated in there. Now, who can claim anything about this? My understanding, Grace, is that any person that was stationed, living or working at Camp Lejeune for 30 days or more, 30 days or more between 1953 and 1987. That's very, very, very basic. It's not a, a, a very difficult qualifier. It's very, very broad. It very is. Broad. It is. But then, but then they, the, the evidence that would be required to prove this, then it becomes a little bit more specific. So A, the residence, like any document that can provide evidence that you live there, military service records, of course, and then medical records, medical bills, travel records, healthcare information, and then records of disability and benefits from VA. So it's not that all of them, like whatever out of that you have, that could help. And here's the other thing. The list of potential, I don't know, health injuries. effects that you could have had, yes, injuries that you could have had, is also very, very extensive. It's not like, you know, one specific type of cancer. I see here bladder cancer, breast cancer, cervical cancer, esophageal cancer, kidney cancer, liver cancer, lung cancer, ovarian cancer, stomach cancer, multiple myeloma, adult leukemia, aplastic anemia, Parkinson's, renal toxicity, birth defects, miscarriage, neurobehavioral effects. So it's very, very, very broad. 
And I guess that's one of the reasons why, hey, you know, if you've had health problems and you live in this place for more than 30 days, come here. So it's, it sounds like that's probably one of the other reasons people went just like, yeah, we want, we want in. Yeah. It's, you know, they're Marines and their families. So, or civilian contractors yeah. that worked on the base for a month or more. So it, it's, it's a lot, a lot of a potentially effective people. It's, it's in the, yeah. especially that many years, 40 years, you know, it, it's going to be a, a pretty big mass tour. And so like, yeah. the other factor, like you said, that this is going to be, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be an easy one. I mean, there's, there's, I, I was reading, you know, a family who lived in Camp Lejeune and then they had a, a daughter and about 10 years ago, she died of leukemia at the age of nine, right? And, or, or, yeah, I think it was leukemia at the age of nine. And it's, she, obviously she was born outside of this range, yet her disease is a result of the time that the parents were there or one of the parents was there. So, I mean, obviously it's a very, it's a very serious master that has had a very significant impact in, in the lives and the amount of time that's got, that it got, that it actually went for, I mean, 40 years, 35 years, 40 years, when you usually don't hear from masters that gone on for such long periods of time. And, you know, this is one of them. No, normally you don't, particularly with water contamination. I mean, we do have another water contamination one that's out there. It's been out there for a little bit, and that's the PFAS, which is a water. It's basically contamination from chemicals and runoff, right? And yeah. it's specific locations that this one has to do with. The same like Camp Lejeune, right? It's the, the water in that location that is potentially contaminating them. I don't know if we talked about this one before, but it's very similar to the Benton Harbor, Michigan situation mm -hmm. with lead poisoning mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's well water that was poisoned with lead that was distributed to the people that live there yeah. Yeah. and so you know it's it's very specific to location and this one is in north carolina and there's actually a couple of very interesting situations that are going on with the mass tour and north carolina attorneys so there's uh, I, I need to learn a little more about it before i can really give anybody on here something about what I'm talking about, but there is going to be a, a situation where if you do not have a North Carolina attorney and you're trying to litigate and or get cases for this North Carolina, very specific location, there could be a problem. So Why? because you need a North Carolina attorney, this is, even though it's a mass tort, that's it's, it's not really, it's a location yeah. specific situation. So uh, you, you will yeah. need a North Carolina attorney. Right. To approve but it. like yeah like you need for single event things that happen in your in in, in a particular state yeah i exactly. mean it's not it's not crazy but the reasoning out of it but it's rare to hear about it when it comes down to my story grace here you know you've said just to add a little bit more here to the scale of this this one like in most of water contamination cases you usually can kind of like list right? What are the contaminants that were found or the toxic substances? In this particular one, there's more than 70 toxic substances that have been found and they range from everything from dry cleaning solvents to degreasers all the way down to benzene. So pretty, pretty serious. And, and the sources from where these contaminants came from 
ranged. And that, that was the other thing, like as you're saying, yes, the federal government, but it seems like there's also a path here for also getting some benefits from, from businesses that were contributing to, to the water contamination. So it's, yeah, there is multiple layers here of where, where money can end up coming from. But Grace, I think we've covered enough and thank you so much for giving us such a human perspective on this particular master because sometimes that's what lacks is perspective and understanding really what's, what's, what's the best path to a natural resolution. So Grace, what are going to be our takeaways? I think for me, the first takeaway is since we talked about AAJ, I guess we could, I can make that the first takeaway, you know, AAJ conferences, I would say if, if you're going to go to one, go to the annual, I'm always about going to the conferences that mean uh, and make the most sense for your company, your firm, your business, yeah, yeah, whatever, whoever's listening. So it's, you know, if, if you're thinking about going to a conference for AAJ, one or the other, go to the annual conference. Obviously they're, they, they put a lot of time and effort into their annual conferences and yeah. other conferences really. And they're always great to make, you know, networking and things like that. So yeah, yeah. And, they, and they have, they have great speakers from, from the legal space. They have people in government, they have senators, house representatives, of course, lawyers, judges, judges. it's just, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's just really, and really, we really always support them because like you said, the PAC, that's actually oh, yeah. a political action committee. So yeah. they're always going for the rights and the justice for all, right? That is their, their motto. And they are always going for justice, which is why we will always support the uh, AAJ and the American yeah. Association of Justice. Yeah. It's because of them. So with that being said, my number two would be when you look at these mass torts and you know, as a marketer, as a law firm, as really as a marketer, I'd say, because the law firms understand the requirements, right? They, they have a license. They understand what they have to do to get a case or not get a case when they're supposed to and when they're not supposed to. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm never here to tell a lawyer what to do or how to behave. But I can tell marketing people, if you don't understand something and it can potentially affect a bill or something that could harm the people that deserve that compensation. Think about it ethically and consciously. It's it, just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. So, you know, go with good conscience and understand what you're doing when you are marketing for people that are injured. These are people that got hurt because of something, whether it was negligence on the part of a company, a government, anything. These people are in pain and they deserve the compensation way before you do. <laughs> so as a marketer, as much as, you know, I, I love marketing and I think it's wonderful. It does have and can have a bad side to it, you know, without ethics, yeah. without conscience. And obviously we don't speak to people like that in our podcast, but if it could help one more marketing yeah. person that did it by mistake, please, I hope it does because this is, this is legal and yeah. in law. You need to be ethically conscious and really any marketing you do, you need to be ethically conscious. Yeah. And is this sentiment, Grace, about holding off advertising efforts? And so is, is, is this something that is shared, would you say, amongst the leading law firms that are in the space? Yep. Because even okay. on the women in mass list, you know, I'm part of the, the WEM yeah. list. I'm part of the National Society of Women Trial Lawyers Communications. All of them, every single one of them said, 
do not, do not harm this bill by advertising. Do yeah. not, do not harm these people by advertising. It was very yeah. clear across the board that it was a, everyone's on the same page. Do not harm these people. This is something that's for them, not for you or for us yeah. or for anybody. So yes, yeah. it is a sentiment shared across those who yeah. understand how this works and are in the know. And so any lawyer I've come across has said the same thing. I've never had yeah. one lawyer so far say the opposite. Yeah. And I would just wrap up this, the third takeaway with, if this is something that you're passionate about, and if this is something that you care, go and record a video about it and explain what's happening, what's the situation, why all from the sudden your community may be seeing so many advertisings about Camp Lejeune, or what, what does this mean? Why you're not currently advertising about it in a way that it won't necessarily harm the bill, but at the same time, answer some of the questions that you, the community where you live may be having, right? Especially if you are in, in an area where military families are living and this whole situation feels a little bit more close to heart. So I think, you know, whether that's the case or not, for you or for this particular master, I just consistently see that there is a lack of video content at these stages when a master is starting to, to get traction and attention and it's a great opportunity to talk about it and become an authority on it. So educate yeah. and inform. Absolutely. Yeah. Grace, thank you so much for a great conversation and we'll be back next week. Thank you, Leo. Next week it is. If you like our show, make sure you subscribe, tell your co-workers, leave us a review, and send us your questions at ask at incamerapodcast.com. We'll see you next week.